0: all right man how you doing today I am feeling great feeling alive feeling uh, grateful for sure <laughs> excellent buddy
1: well we've got uh we've matched up our backgrounds today because we couldn't be together but uh yeah, it's, it's obvious we're in a job yeah we're in a in a in the cold uh, Canadian
0: climate um in Europe and Collingwood now Ontario I am. Yeah, definitely did not think I would be spending a winter up here ever again or just in Canada in general. But, you know, after five winter seasons in Costa Rica, it was time to mix it up. Excellent, brother. Well, I really appreciate you
1: taking the time to to chat with me today. Um, and for those that don't know you, this is uh, Zarak Fatah. He is a serial entrepreneur. Um, I'm looking forward to you sharing a little bit about your story from nightlight to Light life I love that uh, that term uh, life coach um, a number of things
0: so so welcome to the Rewired podcast brother yes thank you for having me appreciate it
1: so let's just jump right in on your story because I'm um, I think you and I do have uh, a lot of similarities in terms of uh, of our path and you know there's a there's a point in your life where things sort of change so maybe we could start there like you know what maybe frame things up a little bit and how did you get from nightlight to light life
0: yeah so um i uh, was in the entertainment hospitality space for 25 years you know owned uh, multiple restaurants nightclubs and spa uh, restaurant being blowfish restaurant uh had a couple locations of that Uh, nightclubs maison mercer century Room, which became everly and then hammam spa and just a number of other businesses um that had created 12 companies or course of 15 years and uh have lived a really awesome great life you know lots of travel cars women clothes all the stuff a man could possibly want um and then the turning point for me was really turning 40 and just ask myself if this is all there was to life and um just realizing that even though I have lived a really epic life and have achieved a lot there was still something missing and what was missing was that deeper sense of fulfillment you know and uh, like many entrepreneurs um I was just one of those people who just kept kept wanting what's the next thing, what's a, the what's a new shiny object, what's the exciting project to take on next, and, and it was just over and over and over again. And I knew that there was something out there more meaningful. Uh, I just didn't really know what that was, and that's what really sparked my interest into personal development. And once I started to do the inner work, uh, starting with the Landmark Forum, I discovered whole other side of me that had been there for, you know, 40 years that I had never really tapped into. And that was, I guess, you know, if you want to call it my awakening or my, I like to say my, oh shit moment where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. if I don't change what I'm doing, yeah you know, I'm going to wake up at 50 and I'm going to feel the same way. Uh, so I knew there were some things I was doing really well in life, but there was other parts of my life that I was neglecting, or let's say, um, wasn't able to tap into. And as a result, that was sabotaging all the good that I had created in my life. So once I've gone that path of personal development and start to discover who I really was beyond the role of the, you know, King Street club guy and owner of Blowfish and all that stuff, um, I got to discover who I who I really am. And that was, uh, that was a beautiful experience. And of course, Uh, It's a never ending journey, you know, we're always peeling back the layers and learning more about who we are, as we evolve, there's more to discover about ourselves, and that's what put me on my journey and it's been um, almost 10 years now this August, probably turning 50. And that's kind of like the, the the, the turning point for me where um, I just, I would say, uh, kind of like my new life began. At forty, you know, and um, yeah, so it's been it's been a beautiful journey, and lots more to share on that. But yeah, that's that's sort of what kicked things off for me. Amazing, I, I I really love what you said about how not doing
1: this work sabotage the good things in your life. And it, it's interesting we can we have that externally driven mm-hmm. concept where we're things we're, we're lining things up the way we think they should be, but they don't. We can't hold on to those things because we don't have we haven't done that inner work. Uh, i find that fascinating so and and that's interesting brother because i think a lot of anyone listening to this right now who may be at a point in your life where you feel something is not something is missing or you know like the movie is this as good as it gets you know everything seems to be lined up but there's maybe you're missing that piece or maybe you're missing that feeling of wholeness or completeness or just being settled and Mm -hmm. good in your own skin in the moment for a lot of people sort of have that a a little bit of awakening what do you think people should do just to take that first step? Because a lot of people just sort of stop and get stuck there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oftentimes they'll just, uh, they'll mask those feelings or they'll try to bury that, you know, under alcohol or
0: more distractions
1: or more, whatever.
0: So the first step to personal development is awareness, right. And just having the ability to identify why are you repeating the patterns and the habits in your life that you know don't serve you. Because, you know, unless you're completely unconscious and oblivious, we all know what we're doing that we shouldn't do. We know the habits and the behaviors that are actually sabotaging our success. And if we can reflect and identify the belief we have around the pattern, whether it be around love, about money, about health, our behaviors are driven by our belief system and our belief system is often completely unconscious to us because it is in our subconscious because it was developed between the ages of zero and six. So until as Carl Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious life will happen and you'll call it destiny, right? The concept of shadow work is identifying, okay, well, I spend more money than I make, because I need to have these things because I want to feel validated. Well, where does this need to feel validated come from? Okay. Hmm. If you can do the deep inner work, whether it be, you know, through breath work, through working with a coach or therapist, for me, it was, I needed to feel validated because when I was young, I got bullied and picked on. I dealt with racism. I didn't know how to play sports. so I was always the last kid to get picked on a team. I felt like a loser. So, of course, the guy who... Never gets picked for the team, grows up to own the hottest nightclub in the city. Where now I get a picket, <laughs> to right? And these behaviors and the beliefs behind them were originated, uh, initiated so long ago that unless we are willing to go deep and look at where are we out of balance in life, where are we putting our time and energy into places that don't serve us, and why are we not living with integrity? and putting the energy into the things that we know will take us in the right direction. There's a story, there's a belief that we have. And until we're willing to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves and have that self-awareness, you'll keep doing what you you're doing and you'll keep getting what you're getting. Right. So it really starts with self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Actually that was for me,
1: the, the, first quote that I actually really attached to is Eckhart Tolle's awareness is the greatest agent for change. That was a big one for me because it literally, I felt like I woke up one day just said, Mm -hmm. what, who is this? What's happening with this life? Um, You know, it's interesting when we make changes, you, you have to let go of who you used to be as well. And we have such a strong sense of attachment to that story, as you said, and who that person was. So I'm just curious for you personally, because this is you you've been a very high profile guy in your career and you know thousands of people know you as this guy and probably wish you stayed that way in some cases you know and and I'm sure other people are are cheering for you but along the way you know you would be open to criticism and judgment putting yourself out there so publicly with this change which you know you know obviously I admire and I think it's so important but um, how have you been able to overcome that? And I'm sure at times, you know, um, there's been self-doubt and things that have crept up for you personally.
0: Yeah. So it really was possible because I woke up one day and I decided I don't want to be that guy anymore, you know, because that person who I had become, you know, we'll call him Zark because for many years I went by the name Zark rather than Zarak. Zark was a guy I created who always worked out, dressed well, you know, knew how to be charming and hospitable and, and uh, play that role. And that is what you could call maybe your false self. We develop a false self based on who we think we need to be in order to be loved and accepted. So I created this false self of Zark. And in many ways, he's served me well. And I have no regrets on the life that I lived as Zark. However, one day when you wake up and say, you know what? I don't want to be this version of me anymore. As you said, you have to be willing to let go of the habits of behaviors. You know, the, sometimes the people you hang out with the places you spend time, maybe even the partner that you're with, you know, the, even sometimes your company, because you, if you're operating from a place of pain and you're not healed and you create a life with the intention of making yourself feel better for the unresolved pain, then when you get to a place where you are very successful, but yet none of it is helping you anymore. That's when most people after fulfilling their outer purpose, and Eckhart told talks about this in his book, the new earth, you fulfill your outer purpose thinking, this is what I need to do in order to feel enough to feel loved. You fulfill your outer purpose. And then you realize, wait a minute, This isn't it. And that's when many people have that awakening and they realize it's time to focus on the inner purpose and that inner purpose actually has nothing to do with you. It's really about who you get to be for others, the impact you're going to make uh, and the legacy you get to leave behind. So for me, it was like I knew that that false self I had created, the way I was spending money, the women I was dating, lifestyle I was living just wasn't aligned with that future version of me, who is married with children, who has a 10-figure business, who's just thriving in all aspects of life. And that is the transition that many people, I mean, we all have a very difficult time with, is detaching from that ego, uh, that identity, that false self that we've created, and letting go and stepping into the unknown of who can we be once we let go of all that stuff that we think defines us. And I think it's Um, Eckhart Tolle, who said this quote, and this is one that really hit me is, I am who I think you think I am. Right? So my identity is over there with you. So if everything I do is to make you think I am this way, then who I am actually isn't who I am. It's who I want you to think I am. Mm -hmm. And when we realize like, that's how most of us live our life. It's like, whoa, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, I am who I choose to be. And whoever you think I am, doesn't mean shit to me. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. just going to be yeah. my most authentic self. And that's a very powerful, empowering feeling for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you know, it doesn't, you know, for, for myself, there are, there's still days where you know, I feel an imposter syndrome and I there's parts of my old self that come up and I'm like, man, what are you doing this for? I mean, there's, there's so many other things you could be doing, but, um, you know thankfully it's the it's the continuous practices it's that recalibration every single day putting in the work every single day to bring myself back to that truth of who i am and just witness all of the noise happening without becoming that noise and so that's that's amazing that you've really had such conviction around that now um, you know and and so i guess there's probably still days that uh, doubt creeps in for you or or do you feel right now that you're pretty solid on
0: your path I would say I feel very confident in who I know myself to be. You know, I would say that definitely the last, you know, five years in Costa Rica, really uh, doing the deep inner work to just learn to learn who I am, learn to love myself and really be comfortable in my own skin is where I would say I'm pretty grounded and, of course, still learning as I go. I would say where the imposter syndrome creeps in is in, you know, growing uh, my business right now in, you know, being a coach who's, you know, I have CEOs of billion dollar companies and I have people who are far more successful than me that I'm coaching. And again, being a high school dropout, being a nightlife guy, you know, now growing a seven figure coaching business. It's like, wow, there are those days where it's like, okay, do I really know enough? Like, is people like, are people like really going to pay for this? Like, is this worth yeah. it? But, you know, and, and I have so many amazing um, client success stories. That sometimes I just have to shake my head and and just and just bring myself um, back to a place of understanding that I'm here to be of service. I am here to help my clients. Uh, I really do know what I'm talking about, and I have such a love and conviction for what I do that that means more than anything. Because I, when you have that level of commitment to your clients, and they know that you're in their corner um, that's what they need the most. Right. So yeah. yeah. And of course we always have imposter syndrome creeping in for different reasons, but every now and then that, that guy pops up, but he does not stick around too long. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful.
1: Uh, you said something earlier that I think is so important, uh, about your future self and, mm-hmm. you know, in, in mindfulness, I think there's a lot of confusion sometimes about being in the present moment. And I you know how do I be in the present moment, but also create a, Future self at the same time. And, you know, I think it's important that people have a vision of their future self and then use the present moment as an opportunity to say, is this thought, is this action, is this choice going to get me closer to that future self? Or is it leaving me stuck where I am or pulling me further away even? When you're working with uh, a client who may not have that vision for a future self, and, you know, I, I, hear you, too, you know, there's there's so many people who have tremendous business success and tremendous success in many parts of their life, but they're not happy, you know, and they don't really have a vision for themselves other than the role they play, what they what others think, who they think they are. Right. And and so where do you usually start with that for somebody who's who's you know, they've got everything together. They've got a really clear future on where their where their uh, net worth will be in five Mm -hmm. years, but they don't know who they want to be
0: in five years. Yeah. Yeah, great question. So uh, one of the first exercises I put my clients through is just visioning what would life look like a year from now after we've done our coaching and everything is really lined up and you've shown up for yourself every day for one year. What would your health and body look like? What would your relationship with your wife or husband feel like? What house would you be living in? Like, what is it? energy that you would feel one year from today, even just getting them to connect to that future self a year from now is easier for them to visualize than thinking about five years from now or 50 years from now. Um, I also ask them to think about what they would like people to say about them at their funeral, you know, thinking about the legacy that they want to leave behind and, and how they want to be remembered and asking them to connect to those moments and ask themselves along the way for you to become that version, that amazing human that people are praising at your funeral. What needs to shift in your life between now and then to get you there? And even though they might not have the answers, at least starts to get the wheels turning. Um, And then after that exercise, we get into their values and helping them to understand their values. And to your point, like you said, living in alignment with the version of you that you believe yourself to be You know the difference between you and your future self is just the choices you make between now and then and when you have that vision of who you want to be a year from now and you know maybe you need to like cut out the sugar maybe go to the gym a little bit more maybe take your wife on a date twice a month you know just those little things just to start tweaking and making some adjustments up over three months six months a year you see those changes and and just letting them know that it's possible and if you carry on that behavior year after year then there is no doubt you will be that amazing human who at the end of your life, when you leave, you will have impacted so many people, right? So it's just about helping them to feel into the energy of what it's like to be that person one year from then. Because once they can feel that energy and they can feel that optimism and inspiration, that's what will really pull them forward. Yeah, and I think that's the big part of it that we sometimes miss is
1: the feeling of those things of that person. How does that person feel and being very intentional about showing up as that person every day, even if you don't feel like it. And that's why all of the practices and training the mind and the body and all the things we do are so important to put ourselves into that state because we don't naturally default to that state. When we wake up in the morning, many days there, there are many days that you don't feel like putting your feet on the floor, but you need to have those practices. You have to have that intention to connect to that feeling. So I really think that's important. One interesting thing about, you know, when you become your your future self and, you know, I'll even ask you this personally as well. Um, and even a lot of times for men, sometimes when we do this inner work and there's parts of us that we do want to take forward with us. Let's say that, you know, uh, let me, I'll just make an observation about you. You're like, you're a, a great dresser. You, you wear nice clothes. You know, you don't have, because you're on a journey doesn't mean you have to wear a cloak uh and be in a cave there are parts we can take forward with us and for men we can still be strong and we can still be uh all those masculine things that men can be but we can also be vulnerable and we can also be kind and we can also be more authentic to ourselves do you see a lot of resistance with people, uh, maybe even men in particular, as they sort of embark on this journey of the fear of letting go of parts of them that may actually still serve them going forward?
0: Yeah. So, some of the resistance I hear from men, and I work with a lot of successful entrepreneurs who have nice cars and clothes and watches and all that, is they think, well, I don't want to give up this stuff. Like, I like this stuff. And, you know, there seems to be this uh, misconception that in order to be spiritual, you know, you have to be broke or you have to live a very simple, minimalist life. And, you know, I I was buying into that theory for a while living in Costa Rica. You know, I definitely was de- dressing very different. I wasn't shopping in Yorkville or, you know, I was wearing just very like call it Bohemian spiritual clothes, you know, um, because of the community I was hanging out with. And to be honest, I couldn't afford those luxury designer goods for a few years there. So I really was embodying that spiritual avatar, let's say. Um, However, I like driving a Porsche. I like wearing a nice watch. I love eating fancy restaurants. I just love it. The difference is before my ego needed it to validate myself. But the truth is, I like it because I like it and that's okay. And for any of the men listening out there who are worried about becoming spiritual or conscious and thinking you're not going to want your Rolex anymore, you're not going to want your Ferrari or whatever it is that you dream of, or you would like to have, you can still have all of it and that much more. You're just going to want it and appreciate it from a different place. Right. And and if you do choose to give it up, know that the car you drive isn't doesn't define the man that you are. You know, the the. The brands, the items, uh, all of that stuff really is not um, it's just like the costume you wear, you know. And when you take off the costume, you are still the same individual. And after doing the inner work, if you still want all the fancy stuff, go for it, no problem. You know, at least now you're choosing it because it makes you happy, not because it makes you who you are. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And I think
1: uh, I, I went through a little bit of that myself at one point. I was almost trying to behave differently uh in that regard um you know and over time I just sort of felt like I was I was back to myself in certain ways but still doing that work every day um so for you right now brother I mean you've been doing so just focusing on yourself for a moment what um what are you working on mostly for yourself right now like for for this year you know in yeah. terms of doing that inner work is there a particular do you work with a coach or do you uh you know what do you practice things like that
0: Yeah. So at the moment I'm actually working with three different coaches. One is my business coach. His name is Xander Fryer, and he's helping me to grow and scale my coaching company. I am working with a health coach named Spencer Copen, who I think you might know Uh, Spencer from BC. He launched a company sure. called Popscotch. No, so anyway, okay. Spencer, uh, he helps me with my supplementation helps me to make sure that I'm, uh, you know, my blood levels, my biomarkers are all on point. Um, and then I work with, um, an energetic coach. So, uh, his name is, uh, Matt Matthew. Um, and he helps me to really just stay in that high vibration. He helps me to, um, when the imposter syndrome creeps up, you know, and that saboteur starts to uh, get in my head, he helps me to stay aligned and keeps me. um, Yeah, just in the right energetic frequency, let's say. Um, And then I'm also in a 60 week course where I'm learning how to do uh, remote energy healings. So I'm learning the concept of um, I wouldn't call it Reiki. It's, uh, it's more so being able to, I'm learning different ways to channel energy to help people heal in different ways for different uh, physical or mental ailments, which is uh, been super fascinating. So I'm really enjoying that. Well, amazing, brother. Well, you've surrounded yourself
1: with some great people and I think that's so important to have the right coaches and support. People don't oftentimes want to make that investment in themselves mm. and it's so important and the return is uh, limitless. I love the uh, the remote mode healing thing you're working on as well. I know we've both done uh, Joe Dispenza's retreats and yes. so you, know, you get a little taste of that uh, coherence healing and, and the power of that and I'm a part of a couple of... Uh, groups just observing at the moment uh, but the, that remote coherence healing is super powerful
0: yeah it's a real thing you know some people are like i remember the first time i did a remote healing I, you know paid some guy in san diego two hundred dollars and and it was so like basic and he's like okay yeah we're done i'm like we're done i'm like that <laughs> guys, what's going on? like you just hired me 200 bucks we just sat there you're on one the phone i'm on the other and something happened you know but now that i'm understanding the process of it yeah. um and the, the healings that i'm doing are different because when we do a healing together and i'd love to gift you a session um you actually feel physical sensations you actually will potentially experience movements in your body and different things shifting within you because other energy healings you're kind of sitting there you don't really notice anything but with this it's like you're actually feeling something shift within you so yeah it's it's pretty wild Wow, that's amazing.
1: I yeah, I've done a lot of different sessions like that. And now the science is there, though, to to back up these processes, which is phenomenal. And And I think it's just, uh, we're sort of at the beginning of that becoming more mainstream. It's exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it's interesting too how people sometimes need to feel something. I, I mean, I've been teaching sure. meditation for, you know, a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably one of the most frustrating things to try to get somebody to meditate. But we could do a few rounds of breath work. As soon as you feel that that sensation in the body, and all of a sudden your thoughts just quickly stop. At some point, and you're fully present. You're like, "Whoa, what was that?" You know. And then you're, and then you're hooked. But sometimes we need to feel those things. So, okay. So, what um what's a day in the life look like for you in terms of your actual routine? How do you do? You have a sp- specific morning routine, or do you do the
0: same things every day, or is it every day a different? Uh, yeah, uh, no, usually the first uh, couple hours of my morning are uh, pretty dialed in. Uh, typically when I'm in Costa Rica, I'm usually up around six, but here in Canada, where the sun doesn't come up till 7.30, you know, I usually <laughs> find myself up around 7 a.m. I usually spend the first 20 to 30 minutes meditating, visualizing um, what I want for the day. Um, you know, I I pray, you know, thank God god for my beautiful life my health my family and all and the wife that i know is out there coming to me so I give thanks for what i don't have yet that i know is on its way um and then you know i do my five minute journal this morning i did some cardio rode my bike for 30 minutes and uh yeah usually the first hour an hour and a half is just setting the foundation um balancing my energy getting my mindset, my visualizations dialed in and then uh, and then let's go. You know, these days are crazy busy. I'm getting a lot of new coaching clients, which has been amazing. Uh, So about three to four hours every day speaking to different clients Um, and then content creation, you know, uh, podcast, you know, speaking with uh, potential clients and uh, associates. And then, yeah, usually the gym in the evening I'll I'll hit. And then, yeah, I I pretty much work Monday to Friday and uh, yeah, Sundays are my day to just kind of chill, do nothing. Um, take my dog for a hike, and Saturdays are yeah, kind of catch up with friends. Yeah, going to the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfect. That's yeah, sure. I mean
1: that that morning routine is is a big one, right? and you know people keep hearing about that everywhere, but a lot of people are not taking that time in the morning to you know the first thing they do in the morning they grab their phone start doom scrolling and then when all those meetings and things uh which are coming anyway start to pile up you're not going to land in the same place without that morning routine so that's a powerful one um so brother we got um you know you got a lot of stuff coming up and maybe you can just sort of give a little summary of what uh where people could find you and, and what's happening but i will say um together we are hosting a dinner on february 18th uh, mm-hmm. called the human experience for men um maybe you can, you probably be a little better at uh, sharing the details of that.
0: Yeah. So, um, the intention of this dinner is really to create a safe space for men of all ages. Um, there's gonna be one guy there as young as 17, I'm sure with gentlemen right up until their sixties, uh, to come together, uh, what's the intention of being open, being curious, being courageous to just, um, share a bit about themselves. This is an opportunity for men to come in. We don't want you to talk about your job. Where you live, you know, what kind of house you have, what kind of car you drive, any of that. We want you to just be able to come and just be present, be open and curious to learn, to share, um, and to just let go of the mask. You know, just bring authenticity to the session where you can uh, just allow people to see you, hear you, learn from you. And uh, that's really the the intention of the dinner and then of course be yummy delicious Italian food by noto and after dinner then we will uh, We have a lot of time for people to network and exchange business cards if they want because I'm sure you know It's gonna be a powerhouse group of men who uh, all have value to offer one another So the idea is to bring together some uh, new people with the opportunity for them to um, just also learn about this work you know learn that men can come together and learn and you can be vulnerable and you can share and it's okay you're still a man you're still alpha and successful and all that even if you do open up and talk about maybe you know some of the challenges that you're dealing with so it's kind of like an, a, an introduction to the work in a social dynamic setting that's um, gonna be fun with delicious food really that's kind of it yeah <laughs> to that
1: and it's it's very interesting uh, as we've shared a little bit about it how many women out there are cheering us on and cheering all the men on who are going to be attending these types of uh dinners and get togethers i think it's important uh a part of uh men evolving moving forward in, in the world we're in uh you've got a lot of other stuff going on what's what else has happened
0: Yeah, so uh, part of me growing my coaching business this year is um, I'm launching a new program called The Path, and this is a a coaching program rooted in the content that I teach my one-to-one clients, but it's going to be an evergreen format program where people can join at any point in time. It's a 10-week program, which is going to teach you the fundamentals of personal development. Um, This with things like, as I said, understanding your values, conscious communication, the concept of energetics with vibration and frequency, manifestation, money mindset, um, intimacy and deeper connections. So it's, it's a, a very robust uh, program with a diverse content library. It'll have group calls uh, with the participants and then there will also be bi-weekly one-on-ones with myself. So it's, it's a formula, uh, call it a framework that I feel is gonna impact a lot of lives going to make a big difference and it's something that is going to run all year long so people can join at any point in time for the 10 weeks and then after that I have a level two six month program that people can opt into if they're interested. And This is really my way of scaling what I do and rather than helping 20 or 30 people a year I want to help two to three hundred people a year and ultimately I know I'll probably, you know, bring in some of that old nightlife, hospitality, energy into the wellness space. I definitely want to do like a one or two day wellness festival with, you know, all the content and all the healthy transformational modalities that we specialize in to give people uh, an in person experience where they can come and learn and grow and evolve with like minded people. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I got going on right now. I also have a retreat in Costa Rica, April. 13th to the 20th. This retreat is going to be focused on health optimization and life longevity. It is in Nosara, Costa Rica, at a beautiful retreat center called Tierra Encantada. I'm stoked for it. And it's also probably going to be my last retreat in Costa Rica. I've decided moving forward, I'm only going to do three to five day retreats rather than full seven day uh, retreats. So if any of you listening have ever wanted to come to one of my retreats and want to come to Costa Rica, this would be the one. So yeah, that's what I got in the in the short term, I'd say in the next six months coming up. Amazing. Oh, I've seen, uh, I've seen footage and, uh,
1: and uh, photos from your retreats in Costa Rica and they look fantastic. So jump yeah, on that opportunity. They, a really good time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, amazing brother. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, I just want to say as a friend as well, it's been, uh, it's been amazing to to witness your journey and to, to be connected with you throughout this. So I'm very grateful for that. So thank
0: you, buddy, yeah, man. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to, uh, co-hosting this dinner with you. And, uh, I know it's going to be an amazing experience for all the men who are attending. And, uh, we should put the link to the Eventbrite in the, in the uh, body down below and, uh, people can sign up, join us and come, um, can be a part of this new collective of men who are going to be the leaders in, uh, you know, really bringing in the new Earth paradigm. Love that. Yeah, the link will be there. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Yeah.